Would you be surprised to know that some of the most successful women of our time face challenges just like you and I do? Hi, I'm Amber. And I'm Lisa. We're authors of the book, Leading Ladies, Discover Your God-Grown Strategy for Success. We invite you to join us in an honest, messy bun conversation about the things we'd rather keep hidden in our lives. Some of those things can keep us from moving forward in purpose. So grab a cup of something delicious, kick off your shoes, and hang out with us for the next 30 minutes. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another coffee chat in the early morning. It's not early. It's 10 a.m., Amber. It's my early morning. Mabel, is it your early morning? She's in a she's in California, right? Yes, especially since this is a Saturday, it's very early for me, eight o'clock. Eight o'clock is very early. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us, friends. We are here to share our special time together. It has been incredible. We are a couple weeks out from our book launch. Doesn't it seem like we blinked our eyes? I mean, this is this is crazy. No, it has not been an eye blink. Okay. Well then in my short-term memory loss, I have lost time. (laughs) Right. No, it has been a year. It has been over a year, but there have been a lot of situations that have popped up in the past few weeks, getting just at this point that have just made things fly by. It's like, oh my goodness. But yes, we are very close to launch. And so for those of you that have been wondering what that looks like, we're going to tell you a little bit more about that today towards the end of our our show here. Just put it out there. We want you along for the ride. So exactly. And one of those ladies who have been along for the ride is my, my dear friend, Mabel Ninen. And she knows what it's like to launch a book in that crazy period. Mabel is the, an award-winning author, writer, and she also is the host of Far From Home, a podcast that features immigrant faith stories and discussions about immigration in the church, such an, a needed thing. And we are so thankful that she's actually in our book. Thank you, Mabel, for joining. My pleasure. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. I'm so happy that you showed up in your sweatshirt and coffee because this is what we're all about. <laughs> you know, you said no makeup and just come as you are. I had to work hard on the no makeup, makeup look. (laughs) She totally understands because I'm the same way. I keep telling her if I don't wear makeup, I have no eyebrows and that's not a good look. Not on Saturday morning, not on any morning. (laughs) It is true. I mean, we have to adjust to a lot of things and kind of fight the urge to get all pretty, (laughs) don't we? Like, oh gosh, people are going to see us in our real element. That's kind of (laughs) what this is all about. Watch these women in their real elements. (laughs) (laughs) Women in the wild. (laughs) In their natural habitat. (laughs) Well, Mabel, you have such an interesting element to your story, an interesting connection with our topic today is about feeling lonely. And you came to the United States as an immigrant the suntan is not from California. (laughs) (laughs) She came as an adult with her husband. Was your child born? No, my son was not born then yet. I moved as soon as I got married. Wow. 
So that so adjustment, a new, a new wife, <clears throat> excuse me, and yeah. moving across the world all yeah. at the same time, and newly leaving your home, your family, as a wife, starting a new home with someone else, and then moving so far away. That's Absolutely. quite a bit to take on all at one time. How did you process when you found out you were going to move? My husband and I dated for less than a year before we got married. And during that time, he did travel to the U.S. for work. I knew he was a consultant, but I always say this. I was, I think, blind and deaf in love because I was not listening that I might have to move. I didn't see that far. And I thought it was a temporary assignment. Then even the first time we moved, it was for work at his client site in California, tentatively for six to 12 months. So in my mind, I'm thinking this is still one of those temporary things. I was really happy to go with him wherever he went because we were newly married. I was excited about starting a new phase of life. And I was also excited about seeing the US and I've heard about it so much. And it was such a great opportunity to go to California. So I was super enthusiastic. And even the first few days, I remember we drove from the airport straight to the Crown Plaza which was right on the beach, Redondo mm. Beach in California. And it seemed like something out of a book or the movies, mm-hmm. you know, just beautiful beaches, beautiful people. And I really thought I was in a TV sitcom or something. So I enjoyed my first few days and we, you know, that anticipation of, oh, hey, life is going to be great. But then slowly the realization that I'm all alone began to set in within a few weeks Wow! because I would only talk to my parents or my friends on the phone. And in those days, I don't know, this is 2008, (laughs) right? So we had those kind of calling cards and there were minutes on it and to navigate that. And there's a time zone. India is, I think, 12 hours ahead or something like that. So uh, we could only talk to my parents or friends at a particular time and Before I had left India, I was busy. I was a working girl. I was also involved in church. And I'm a social person, to some extent an extrovert. So I've always surround myself with people. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think that made it even worse that now I have to be alone. I don't have all those people around me that I can even like talk to. That's how I process my emotions is by telling, talking to someone. I'm one of those people. And I understand that completely because my husband is from London and I went from, I went from Springfield, Missouri to London. And I was like, Oh, I'm the luckiest girl in the world. Here I am in the middle of London. Here's big Ben, And I'm just sitting out. It's just amazing, you know? And then it's like, even though I had strength relationships with my family I missed them. (laughs) And it was challenging. It was something that I didn't expect. Not that I didn't think I would ever miss my family. I just didn't put that in the equation because everything felt so romantic. Yeah. Yeah. Romantic ideal. Were you following in the romantic ideal, Lisa? I feel like we're talking about a season of life as well, uh, especially for, you know, Mabel, you were a newlywed. And Amber, you're talking about your relationship. You were very young. And I don't think as youth, we quite think that through. We're just so Mm -hmm. caught up in the story 
and yeah. being grown and doing what we do when we finally have the freedom to stand in our own, you know, our own strength and, and be an adult, even though we know that takes a lot longer. Once we're on this side of it, we know it took us a lot longer than we thought at the moment to be an adult, but I don't feel like an adult at 50. (laughs) Right. Right. But even more, even more, as I think with a little bit of my own introspection, loneliness can come and go in our life as our seasons change. I mean, I believe it happens in moments like that when we finally pick up and move away from mom and dad and that home. But also it can happen as a 50 plus year old woman. Sometimes what we do for a living puts us in a position to where we don't always get to be on the same plane as everyone else. You know, Mm -hmm. there are unwritten rules out there about who you mix it up with as friends when you are a leader or when you are someone seen to be in charge. And it can be lonely. Those seasons can take a turn on us and it kind of hits us out of nowhere. And we're like, wait a minute. I don't know if this is quite what I was thinking I would walk into. I do want to talk about that because I think there are probably many of us in this space and maybe not just from the perspective of being in leadership. But also, when you're 50 something, things look a lot different. Your children have yeah. grown. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, you don't have as much interaction with them as maybe you did before. Your spouse yeah. and you have become very independent because you've been so busy catapulting through life that maybe you find yourself in a space and time of loneliness with your spouse or your significant other. Mm-hmm. If you are single, you still have relationships that you maintain. Mm-hmm. How does that all fit? How how do we feel in those moments? What do we yeah. do with them when we feel alone, yet we know we're surrounded by people constantly all the time? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Mabel, I know we had talked about your your baby had been born. How, how long before you decided to have a child? He was born three years after we were married. And when... He was actually born in India. So when I was pregnant, I went back to India to have him there to stay closer to my side of the family. And it was he was the first grandchild. And then we brought him back when he was about a year old. Oh, wow. So <laughs> that's hard for those grandparents. <laughs> As a grandmom, I'm like, oh, my heart. After you had spent three years here. You, when did the loneliness really, really set in? Because I remember being pregnant and being feeling really lonely. Yeah. Pregnancy is one of those things, right? It's not just loneliness. It takes it up a notch. It's isolation. I kind of felt you're right. When I came back with Ryan and you know, you just have a baby and most of the time it keeps you indoors, right? So you have so mm-hmm. much to do for your baby And that heightens that loneliness. And with all our hormones going, I definitely felt even more lonely at that Mm -hmm. point. I was thinking about what you and Lisa were saying. It's not just the fact that you don't have your people with you that makes you lonely, like Lisa pointed out. Sometimes when you feel like a misfit, that adds to the loneliness. And you feel like even culturally, you're in a different place, like Mm -hmm. for me. That also adds to that. It adds another dimension to the loneliness that you're in a foreign 
culture because mm-hmm. that uh, there's some sense of you fear being misunderstood or you misunderstand another culture. So it takes time to yeah. assimilate, to understand one another. But there is a certain period of time, especially for new immigrants, where all these things, being in an unfamiliar place, following unfamiliar rules or being a misfit in the culture, not understanding the terms, the lifestyles, all that adds. Even if you have your own people, it still adds to that feeling of loneliness. And I didn't know that till much later, I began to process that and see how all these things started affecting me. But to your point, it takes time. And over the years, it gets better. Yes. But there are still some times when there are certain triggers that I go back to feeling lonely again. Well, how do you pull yourself out of that, Mabel? When you feel those <laughs> triggers, what do you do? <laughs> you know, for me, it has always been, it's cliche, but just taking all those feelings to God rather than just going over them in my head and, you know, playing that tape again. And because it spirals, it ha- it can take you down a really dark path, at least for me. And so I've learned that once I start adding one feeling over another and layering them and just going downhill. Mm -hmm. So I try to deal with it now when it's, I feel it coming and I take them all to God. I just honestly tell him, this is how I feel. I also very deliberately try to meet up with friends. I find a friend or I tell my husband, he knows when I'm going through something like that. Right. Because sometimes there are telltale signs and someone closest to you will see that. So Mabel, how did you start making friends in the States? <laughs> you know, it's hard for us women to say, okay, I'm here. I'm new. Will you be my friend? <laughs> Yeah, you know, and even going into church for the first time, I mean, that's very intimidating for me um, doing that. How, how have you, how has it been for you? <laughs> so I how used did, to how do was that first funny thing? things. Yeah. In my desperation to, you know, talk to <laughs> other humans. So we initially we lived in a condo and that was good for me because that meant, you know, you would bump into people in the elevator or somewhere else. I like the fact that Americans actually do a lot of small talk, which is unusual because we don't do that in India, but it was good for me because, you know, I thought this was a good way to make friends and people who who I would chat with in the elevator, I would invite them home for a cup of tea or something. And finally, my husband had to tell me, don't do that. I mean, you're just talking to these strange people. And, you know, why are you inviting them home? (laughs) But uh, it just so happened that church was one of those places where I did meet my future friends. I remember in California going to a church and there was this one lady. I think she was the only Indian in that congregation. And from a distance, she saw another Indian and she came running and she just hugged us. And we were oh. like, what's going on? And she invited <laughs> us <laughs> right away. I think it was November. And she said, December, come over. We're having a Christmas party. And so she became one of my first friends. And still we are friends. And she was like family to us. Through her, we met many more friends in the church. And, and another friend that I had for a short time in California was my hairdresser because she would talk and I would talk. (laughs) And, you know, I would say, I think she was very surprised. I said, do you want to go out for lunch? She was Uh like, yes. And she was also much older, a Chinese American. And we were so different. 
But because I would see her once every eight weeks or so, and she invited me to her house. So that's one of the friends I made like that. And another was a dance teacher. I was used to go to the studio to learn dance. And I would just chat up with that teacher and we would have coffee or lunch together. So <laughs> you can tell whoever I, I connected with, I would try to develop a relationship with them. I like yeah. having that one-on-one. I've been kind of jotting down some of the things, something I see there's a thread within all of these things. You know, we asked, what do you do when you find yourself in this loneliness, in this dark place? And you know, you're there. How do we get out? Everything you suggested has to do with you taking a step of action. The first one was just taking it to God, just praying, Mm -hmm. asking him to meet you where you are, recognizing yourself. This is where I'm at. This is how I'm feeling. God, going to him first, you mentioned speaking to your, your husband. Sometimes you said, sometimes our loved ones actually recognize we're going there before we do. Right. And speaking to that person, whether it's a spouse or someone you live with, someone very close to you, you said, turn to friends, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. turn to friends and set up coffee, do something like that. And then I heard you say, I mean, I don't know where dance fits in, but I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) if there are things that you can do that publicly puts you in relationship with other people, whether it's a painting class or whether it's volunteering somewhere together, maybe at a soup kitchen or putting yourself in a place where you're around people. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, Lisa, because I did volunteer within, I think, two months Mm -hmm. of setting foot in California. I looked up, I want to volunteer because I was just used to keeping busy And I couldn't drive, but I used to take buses, horrible buses in LA. But, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I volunteered at a dog shelter, At uh, I wrote emergency procedures for some organization. And then the other thing, you know, you mentioned an art or a hobby. And for me, it was dance because in India, just before I got married, I used to lead the choreography and dance team in our church. And I've always done Bollywood dancing growing up. And so that was a form of letting out stress for me. So I just went to the studio, (laughs) paid their monthly unlimited, and I would go as many times as I could during the week, even Mm -hmm. though I didn't know anyone, right? So you have to find that something, that release also. It's not just about people, I think, dancing and keeping up that practice of, of dancing really helped me because it's also physical exercise. It helps mm-hmm. you get out all those negative hormones. Yeah. And- I know that for a while, especially after the pandemic and we were so isolated and there was a lot of loneliness, it felt like very much of a, a you know, you kind of get some anxiety built up and everything kind of folds insular mm-hmm. and it's, it's a fight to fold out again, after things have folded in for so long. And I loved what you said about courage. I mean, it's a courageous step to make yourself available and to take those steps. You can say, well, no one ever invited me to do this. No one ever invited me to do that. I think God doesn't want us to wait for an invitation. Mm -hmm. In a lot of things in our lives, God doesn't want us to wait for an invitation. He wants us to have the courage to step out without the invitation and see a need. And I loved what you said about the woman who saw that you were, you were just new and alone in a congregation and she embraced you. I think that we can overlook that that might, that 
in itself can be one of the most powerful ministries we have is embracing people who are lonely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I cannot tell you the number of times. I mean, we used to visit many churches because it was not just one place over the years we had to move around a lot. So almost every year or so we would be in a different place. And so just to have someone come and speak to us kindly or show interest, ask questions, give us a hug, that goes a long way, you know, Mm -hmm. making someone feel less lonely. I I know our time is slipping away, but I just wanted to bring in this thought as well. You know, we're talking about what it is like to be lonely here in the midst of our daily life, but we're also talking about what it's like to maybe not fit in this world as a child of God, Mm -hmm. as someone who is a Christ follower. Sometimes it feels like we are very alienated because of our belief system. Is there anything you could speak to that, Mabel, to kind of give us an understanding of that position we are as a child of God? Our faith does make us resident aliens on earth, like the author of Hebrews says so many times, even First Peter in that the first book, at least three times he mentions we are aliens, we are exiles, we are strangers, foreigners on earth. So this is the language that Bible uses to describe us. Because like you said, Lisa, our faith does make us stand out. We feel like misfits here because of being so countercultural you know, the way Jesus calls us to follow him and live by his commands or his values, they're very countercultural. And so it's a good thing if you feel you're uncomfortable, if you feel like you're not (laughs) fitting in, blending in, I would say it's a good thing. We have to embrace that tension. It's always going to be there. And another thing to know is that this is not our home and, and, That's why we are not going to feel like we belong here because we have this eternity in our hearts that God has placed. And we are always going to long for that better home, long for a permanent fellowship with God, which we'll only find in heaven. And so these things add to that tension. And it's a good thing. It's a blessing. It's a privilege to be misfits for God or to see ourselves as aliens here. It also gives us perspective to kind of not to fight that feeling of settling down here and putting down roots on in earthly things. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think seeing ourselves as resident aliens encourages us to make God our anchor and to have our foundation based in something that's not of this world rather than in earthly things. Right. (laughs) I love that. I do do. too. I love the idea that, you know what, heaven is a place of unity. It's not a place of things. It's a place of, of a unified around the throne worship in worship. And I think that that's, you know, we crave that here on earth. We crave it, Mm -hmm. but we will never have that unity until we, until we see heaven, we'll never have that. But the thing about it is, is that it, community is really important for us to engage mm-hmm. because we want people to see our love. We want people to see our care and that we see them and we hear them and are, we genuinely want them to know love. And that's important. That's an important ministry uh, to anyone. And anyone can do that. Anyone yeah. 
who is feeling that they are lacking in purpose, love is never lacking in purpose. Mm -hmm. And so if people know you for simply the ministry of love, you're doing what you need to do. So Lisa, I know we're rounding out our final minutes. Do you want to housekeep for us? Yes, let me housekeep. First of all, Mabel, thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. We've wanted to get to this point in our coffee chats where we could introduce our listeners and to all of you ladies that we've been able to sprinkle in the pages of this book. It was an honor to have you be a part of the book, and we're so grateful for your participation. And for those of you that don't know, we mentioned earlier, Mabel has written a book. We would love for you to look that far from home. Please, if you have any desire to get to know Mabel better, you can go to leadingladies.life, our website. Mm -hmm. There is going to be a picture of Mabel and information to help you connect with her. Perhaps something she said in her message today is something you want to know more about. And her book is up on the website as well. So we want you to know that Mabel is just a wonderful lady and we're thrilled you were with us today, Mabel. Yeah. Um, thank you. The of, blessing is mine. Oh, Absolutely. Thank, Such an honor. And, and I hope, I hope I want to read your book. I've, oh, I'm going, I want to read this book now. So leadingladies.life, you know, the website, you know, that you can go on and become a leading ladies VIP for recruiting for people to be a part of our online launch team for the book. It's a very important aspect of what we're doing right now to get the name of our book out in the public eye. And we want to lasso and utilize social media to do that. We are going to continue to recruit for just a few more days and then in the middle of the month. So it's just right around the corner. I know we've been saying that, but it really is in the month of May. It's time. And Mabel, can I give a plug for your website? So do you guys, do you still have the freebies up? Do you have yeah, freebies? For, uh, yeah, freebies for far from home are up. The sample chapter and the the let me show you. It's like a screen. What do you call it? A screen savers, the background for the phone. Oh, mine? here you go. For the phone and for the computer. Nice. And it says live out your time as foreigners on earth here. And Amber <laughs> designed that. So I'd encourage you guys to go visit Mabelnainen.com, leadingladies.life. And it was exciting to find out that we were featured in CCM Magazine online. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so we are so thankful for the people over at CCM. We are so thankful for everyone who is promoting us. And we are so thankful for anything you can do to help and the street team. We love you guys. So until next time. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye.